Welcome to the Facts Are What Matter podcast, where we discuss the lies, the myths, and the propaganda being promoted by the media and society. Let's all be informed, not uninformed, or even worse, misinformed. Here we go. Welcome to the Facts Are What Matter. I'm your host, Dave Swinford, and in this episode, we're going to explore the facts about the institutional control of medicine. We had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Ted Noel, a retired anesthesiologist, and he's going to tell us about how your medical care is controlled by the government and large institutions. And as always, before we get started, I always like to discuss our motivations for this podcast in general. Um, you know, it's really to educate the listeners and supply you with information so you can counter some of the misinformation that's promoted out there by the media and the politicians. And some of the key principles I always like to remind you, lie a little, lie a lot. When someone's willing to lie, misrepresent, or withhold key facts a little bit to get their way, they're usually willing to lie a lot to get the outcome they want, or maybe tell a really big lie. Always follow the money. It's always about the money. If, if you think it's not about the money, then you're really not looking hard enough. It's always about the money. And you get what you reward, you get what you, what you accept. If you give people prizes for being criminals or liars, you're going to get more of the same. If you're willing to accept a little bit of criminal activity or lies, then you can expect a lot of that. And as always, share what you know is the truth. Try to call out the lies and the misconceptions when you see them. Try to educate your friends and family with the facts in a, in a gentle and kind way as you can because they may be spending way too much time watching mainstream media. So without further ado, I'm get, let's get into the interview with Dr. Noel. So today on the podcast, we have Dr. Ted Noel. Dr. Noel is, is a retired anesthesiologist. He practiced for 36 years. Um, he also writes for American Thinker, Town Hall, and No Q Report. So welcome to the podcast. It's my pleasure to be with you. So my, my first introduction to you was actually your mask video you did. You did the uh, little demonstration of putting different kind of masks on and showing how basically uh, water vapor just goes right through those or around the edges and all that. So I saw that video and actually referenced that in my mask podcast a few episodes ago. And then recently, I ran upon your article in American Thinker that said, why do doctors go along with COVID panic porn and CDC prescriptions? And I was, uh, I was really surprised at, at how all that came together. I guess in this, in this uh, article, you described that, tell me if I'm wrong, you basically, you're saying the CDC is a political organization. Is that, is that kind of true? Absolutely. There's no question whatever it is a political organization. We know right now the CDC gone out and promoted masks, which scientifically they have to know that doesn't work. They've Their, their director overruled their board, which was not in favor of booster shots for the, for the vaccine. So we know it's a political organization. But then the second part of it, I guess I was I was really interested and su surprised at how how these institutions basically control medicine. Could you kind of walk us through that? And describe what's you know in your article and how this all plays together. How medicine gets basically uh, how the practice of medicine gets 
forced by these big organizations? Well, the, the elephant in the room is Medicare. And Medicare uses what are called the uh, ICD codes for every disease and every procedure. ICD codes are a set of codes that are developed by the American Medical Association, which incidentally represents less than 10% of all doctors. And it's the only way the AMA actually makes money uh, to survive. But the ICD codes code for, they're like a zip code. They say you did this kind of procedure and these were the underlying conditions and all the rest of that. And as a result, you fit into something called a DRG, a diagnosis-related grouping. And in that, you have to do X, Y, and Z to get paid. They set up all of these intricate rules. And within those rules, they then add what's called pay for performance. And it's basically a checkbox system. Do you check all the boxes? And in my article, I pointed out a simple one that hit anesthesia. You have to administer the IV antibiotic 20 minutes before the incision. If I administer that antibiotic too long before the incision, or I get it at 18 minutes before, I didn't check the box. I might not get paid. Surgeon might not get paid. The hospital might not get paid. And if there's a wound infection, which they happen a couple percent of the time, the hospital might not get paid for taking care of that patient. So they insist that you do things to check the box. And if you were a minute off, they'll check the box for 20 minutes to make sure they get paid. But the point is you have to do exactly what they've told you. So they put these rigid rules on it. And let's say you didn't check a bunch of boxes and they go back and they look and they say, uh, we paid you for those. We're going to get that money back double because that's Medicare fraud. You didn't check the box. We paid you. Uh, you fraudulently billed us. And let's go on for another one. Let us suppose that I get the derelict from under the bridge who comes in with some horrendous problem that requires surgery. I know this guy doesn't have two nickels to rub together, so there's no sense in sending a bill. But Medicare says, no, you have to send a bill. You have to send it a second time, maybe a third. And once you determine that you're not getting a collection, then you have to send it to the collection agency, which, of course, is not going to get any money either. Wow. That's the only way you can write this off. So I've wasted all of my office people's time, all of the effort. And ultimately, I, you know, I've just thrown away all of this money to satisfy their checkbox. But if I don't do that and I just write it off, well, then they say for whatever this procedure was, your usual and customary fee is what you charge this guy, which happens to be zero. That means if this procedure ever gets done again and you're involved with it, you can't get anything because your usual customary is zero. We reset that number to zero. So so is this just with Medicare or is this with just insurance well, in no, general? Well, no, here's the problem. Medicare, most insurance companies follow the Medicare lead. 
And what they will do is they will cross-check with Medicare to make sure that whatever they're doing shares the data, and so they end up in the same situation. And given that over half of all medical care in the United States is run by the government, either Medicare or Medicaid, CMS manages both. What's CMS you know, again? Already, is the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, okay. CMMS. Okay. They manage all of that stuff. And so ultimately all of that data, is, everything gets controlled by that data, whether it's private insurance or not. And don't get me started on the gimmicks in private insurance. But the key is you cannot do charity. That's the first thing. Second, if you don't punch the exact box on everything they require, you don't get paid. Then let's make life real interesting and say, somebody comes to you and says, look, doc, they don't approve ivermectin for COVID, but I really, really think it's a good idea to get it. You know, can I just pay you for the visit and for the prescription? Well, COVID is a Medicare-covered procedure for the office doc, and if he then takes your $50 or $100 or whatever and says thank you, and they find out about it, you took payment outside the Medicare system for a Medicare-covered service. You are now banned from seeing any Medicare patients for two years. Wow. Now, would that be... In other words, they have a stranglehold. We have these political organizations, really, that are controlling what kind of medical care you can give to people. Is that right? Uh, that's the understatement. Of the <laughs> wow. So, so if I go see my family physician, let's say I'm not on Medicare right now, which I'm not, right. but, but I go see my family physician, and I'm like, hey, I, hey, doc, I have COVID. Can I get some ivermectin? He, he could get in trouble for giving that to me? If you're not on Medicare, you probably won't get in trouble okay. with Medicare. But now you're in Alabama, and I don't know what Alabama's done lately. Florida, the free state of Florida, no problem. But there are several doctors, and I've seen the reports of these, who have been tackled by state medical licensing boards and said, you did this, we are going to pull your license. Wow. So uh, I do know one of my friends is a physician, a couple of friends, one's in Tennessee, one's in Alabama. I mentioned to them about coming on and just discussing how they treat whatever and they didn't really want to talk about it. <laughs> and they, they said, well, no, we're, we're they busy, don't want, they so. don't want to, they don't want to run up against the uh, city hall. Right. Because basically the government runs medicine. The only exceptions are the people who simply say, we don't accept any insurance. And there are a handful of them. They do good medicine. And as a result, they are challenged, let's say. But it turns out they actually save money doing it. Right. So just 
and as an example, a friend of mine in Tennessee, um, 61, not he's about the same age as I am, and he he got COVID, called, went to the um, urgent care, and they said, take some zinc, take some vitamin D, go home. And they said that we can't prescribe you to get stuff that actually works. <laughs> they can't prescribe you hydro, you know, uh, hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. They couldn't do that. And sent him home. He got a little bit. He got better, and then all of a sudden he woke up and couldn't breathe. He got he had no pneumonia and had to come to the emergency room. And you know he, he recovered, but basically, basically they didn't give him anything. I mean, you know, he, he got nothing. That's right. And the reason is the CDC has not only not signed off on any pre-hospital therapy, they are actively opposing all pre-hospital therapy. And you saw the, and uh, for example, the FDA had that fancy tweet that says, you are not a horse, you are not a cow. Right. About ivermectin. Well, ivermectin, they're trying to say it's a horse dewormer, it's a horse dewormer. No. Ivermectin was developed to prevent river blindness in Africa in people. It is incredibly effective, and the developer of ivermectin received a Nobel Prize in 2015 for development of the drug for use in people. Right. And it turns out that it is an exceedingly effective drug against COVID. It literally binds to the spike protein, preventing it from binding to anything else. That's just one of its actions. Just an interesting side note. Um, (laughs) Turns out, you know, I have a a cousin that's in Tennessee that's a uh, physician and retired physician and he was asking me about ivermectin and we've been trading some stories on it and we we talked about the stuff that was available at at tractor supply for six dollars for it's six dollars for what would be basically a six weeks worth of dosing you know so it's incredibly cheap of course it's the horse paste and uh i said well what are you asking me this question for once you just prescribe some to this is for his mother and he's like they won't fill the prescription so turns out That's right tennessee is one of the few states that a pharmacist can refuse to fill the prescription and they have been bullied by the cdc wow so cdc stands for centers for disease control it is acting in this case as a center for disease enhancement. Exactly. I mean, I've always, it's it's evident that the FDA is in league with Big Pharma. I mean, you have Scott Gottlieb that just left as the head of the FDA and is on the board of Pfizer. I mean, it's, I mean, you can't get any more blatant than that, right? Is this, yeah, well. What can I say? It's the Federal Delay Administration. And count on it, there is an immense amount of money. Pfizer's already made over $30 billion on this. Right. And the booster will give them more money. But the booster won't help because the spike protein will make things worse. 
Well, let me let me direct this over toward the the, the so-called vaccine. First of all, it's not a vaccine. It is a therapy. Vaccines are designed to prevent infection, but you cannot prevent the infection of an airborne illness. It takes up residence in the air sacs and the lungs where there is no blood flow to bring T cells or antibodies against the virus. It multiplies in the cells that line the air sacs and then is released from them into the bloodstream where your antibody and stuff can work. So it does not prevent infection. Second, it is effective against what's known as the alpha variant because it the shot stimulates production of the alpha variant spike protein. Well, it turns out that the spike protein is the disease-causing entity. They didn't make a, a uh, vaccine against the nucleocapsid or the envelope or any of the other elements of the virus, which would give better immunity and which cause great immunity in people who got sick. But instead, they produced the actual toxin. And so that's why we have so many people are suffering severe problems. Uh, We have a world-class tennis player who has competed, and he's going to have to move his retirement up three or four years because he got the shot and he just cannot perform. Yeah, I... uh... It nailed him within days. I have a good friend that uh, lost a hearing in one ear because of this, and it, mm-hmm. it affected her whole family. Her she lost she lost hearing in an ear. Her sister had her eye swell up and bulged out and got all kinds of uh, blood vessels burst in it. Her mom had brain brain bleeds, and <laughs> and I was like, huh? I guess I'm never going to take this. So no, and you're smart. I got shot early. I had no side effects to speak of, but uh, I am not taking a booster. I'm not getting near it again. And, uh, you know, why would I deliberately take poison? Exactly. So, <laughs> I, I guess, so everybody, it sounds like a lot, of, a lot of doctors understand where we are with this, but nobody's saying anything, right, because of this stranglehold on how they treat, how they charge, their livelihood. There are a handful who are doing it well, and anybody listening should go to aapsonline.org, and on the front page there is a link for a patient and physician guide to early treatment. Download it. There are literally over a dozen very effective protocols proven in double-blind crossover studies again and again. And if you treat this bug early, your chances of being hospitalized are almost zero. Right. Yeah. As and a... the CDC is killing people by refusing to allow pre-hospital therapy. And I have to keep looking at this, and I'm thinking – you know, initially thought, well, this is a, this is an anti-Trump thing. They're trying to, you know, the media. This is this is a big firestorm, right? The media has something they can talk about and blow up, and it's the worst thing ever. And they track cases, not people in the hospital, not people who, you know, maybe died with 
of COVID, not with COVID. So it's this great thing for the media to have to scare everybody with. It's this great thing for big pharma that they can sell vaccines that maybe we don't even need, probably don't need, definitely don't should need. Should not have. Should not have. And this, and we're in this we're in this infinite loop now and how do we get out of it i mean i don't even i mean doctors doctors are afraid to to prescribe or basically can't prescribe the things that work it's uh, what has to happen is exactly what you're doing what i'm doing is we just have to shout from the rooftops and keep shouting right and rand paul in the senate has done yeoman work on he understands what's going on. And you've got a huge number of people who are drunk with power. Right. And they want to keep their power. That's the whole issue. The currency of D.C. is power, and that gets to a huge discussion of how do you cut that out. But right now on this issue, we need to make it clear again and again and again that all of Fauci, his minions, and the mainstream media who cry vaccine, 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 that they are the problem. Exactly. And more, the more people who understand that there are good ways out, people who go to AAPS online and find that, literally... There are a quarter of a million studies on COVID. There are dozens of studies showing that the protocols AAPS published are very effective. And when we get right down to it, they're starting to see that the gospel of Fauci is false because people who are fully vaccinated can get infected again. That's no brainer. And they, because they get infected, they get virus in their lungs, they can spread it to the next guy. There is no way around it. This is called a virus that is in the wild. And we will never eradicate it because it has animal reservoirs. We know now that big cats in zoos have been infected. Right. What about your house cat? Right. Probably carries the virus. You know, unless you kill all those animals, the reservoir is going to be there. Oh, and then, then you have the bats who could get it. And in those animals, it doesn't cause any real big harm. In us, it causes a huge harm. So in my last podcast, I I played a little bit of the, um, the uh, doctor who stood up and talked to the school board and then the other, uh, what was his name, uh, Stanton or something, um, mm-hmm. and then the the lady who was the uh, a virologist, and then a little bit of what uh, Doctor Jay Bhattacharya said, and you put all that together, and tell me if I'm wrong, but but the way I take it is this is a this is it's a coronavirus. Like I told my my family member who's a He's a physician. I said, he said, it's a coronavirus. It's a cold virus. It's never going away. You can't make a vaccine for a cold virus. So that's right. It's a new one, and usually you get cold viruses when you're 
three, four, five years old, six years old, and you know you're getting school kids. School kids have have vi- have colds all the time, and they get over them, and they have this immunity. But this is a brand new one, and so now right. you don't have any immunity when you're sixty or seventy years old, and suddenly you get it. It's just like getting, I don't know, just like getting measles or mumps or something when you're seventy. It's going to be really bad versus when you're eight. Is that is that, that right? Is correct. So, that is correct, but the other thing that happens at the advanced stage is you are already sick with various things. Exactly. And this is an important item. The CDC admits that the proximate cause of death in COVID cases is COVID 6% of the time. So when they claim 600,000 deaths with COVID, that's with COVID, not from COVID. There are only 36,000 deaths from COVID, that makes it about even with seasonal flu. Right. So, so we just got to keep shouting from the rooftops that, and hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully we can find some doctors that, that aren't beholden to Medicare. I, I don't know how you do that when you're over well, 65. Well, the bottom but... line in shouting from the rooftops is that you ultimately create enough pressure to get the state medical boards and the pharmacies to get off their asses. Sorry about the French there. But That's to, fine. And to actually allow doctors to practice medicine. Exactly. Well, that's good, good information there. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, any, any, All right. Well, you're any, welcome. Any, uh, Glad to be with you. Any uh, last words of wisdom to pass along to the listeners uh, that you'd like to? Well, they in? can follow me. I, I post under two handles, uh, Dr. Ted, one word, and that's on Gab and MeWe, Twitter, Getter. You know, on Facebook and uh, Twitter, I am at VidZet, V-I-D-Z-E-T-T-E, long story. It's an old handle. They won't let me change it. <laughs> well, that's fine. That's good. Well, I really appreciate you being on the podcast and uh, passing along uh, uh, your knowledge and your words of wisdom there. So, uh, again, thanks so much, and uh, we will check back with you later. Thank you. All right. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you. So there you have it. There's our interview with Dr. Ted Noel describing the institutional control of medicine and your your medical care. So as always, please give us a good rating and subscribe to the podcast. Until next time, later. Thanks for listening to the Facts for What Matter podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to catch our future episodes.